Hey everybody, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 175, March of 2024. Our guest this month is Dion Lee. Dion is a Broadway World Award-nominated actor, singer, producer. She does improv, variety shows, theater, commercials, television, voiceover, and film. I don't think there's anything she cannot do. She is currently bringing her show, The Way It Is Now, in which she tells stories and performs musical numbers around the United States to enthusiastic audiences. The Way It Is Now, solo performer, it's a musical, you tell stories, and the show absolutely sounds fascinating. You've been doing this for a little while now, and I'd like to know where the show came from, how it got started, what made you do this? Well, this show um, was was actually uh, developed out because of the pandemic, all the things that happened during the pandemic. And as an artist, and I think I, you know, I saw a lot of artists, but as an artist, I was like, well, I gotta come out of the pandemic with a product. Mm. I wanna, I wanna, uh, I, you know, I've been in this house doing Zoom shows, Zoom readings, Zoom plays. I mean, there's all these skills for Zoom. And I was like, I got to figure out a way to do a show and talk about all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And also about, you know, about all the things I was learning during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, more about Black Lives Matter, more really, really feeling like um, the oppression of being a Black person in this country, a Black woman in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, missing my mother who passed right before the pandemic, but grateful that she did in a strange way, you know, all these things I wanted to address, but nobody wants to come out of being in a house for years and like watch a Debbie Downer show. So my musical director and I sat and we were like, we have to figure out how to tell these very difficult stories and, and, um, with a lens of positivity and um, that brings joy and also uh, relatability right. and help people, help people through it. So how do we do that? Oh, let's try and do it with only up-tempo music. <laughs> so okay, sure, yeah. I, t- yeah, so I talk about some really difficult things. I talk about cancellation culture with mm. an upbeat song, you know, you're being canceled, but there's a lot to think about, like why, or people, why are people being canceled? Like, why are we not forgiving people? How do we learn to walk around these um, topics without offending people? Because I, I'm going to be 52 this weekend. I'm so excited that I'm going to be 52. Thank God. Happy um, <laughs> thank you very much. But my kids are not in the house. So I don't have that daily education mm-hmm. of what I can say, what I can't say, how to say it. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know I was saying something offensive. I had no idea. We talk, we talk about that in my show. It's a show that brings people together in all of the, all the complexities of life. I would say for those folks who are 40 and above. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good, it's a good time. How good are your kids at keeping you current? My kids are, are actually uh, really good at keeping me current. My youngest doesn't always say it right. How old is your youngest? <sighs> She'll be 20 soon. Okay. Um, yeah. But she, has, she, you know, she's just learning like 
well, I'm, I'm not going to respond to that if you talk to me like that. Uh, my older daughter, who's going to be 23, is better at saying, well, this is the reason she studies psychology. This is the reason why you can't say that because it may trigger someone in this way because of mm -hmm. A, B, C, and D. You know, I grew up in a world where, like, I'm not responsible for your triggers. And I'm, you know, I don't know, I don't want people to hang up from listening to that, but like, yeah. I'm not responsible for your triggers. You know, I can't possibly know what's going to trigger every single human being that I talk to, but I know that there are things I can do better. And that's what my kids try and teach me. I grew up the same yeah. way. Right. You know, I, I, had the, I had the privilege of saying anything I wanted to anybody I wanted. And there was never, ever any blowback on whether what mm -hmm. I said was correct, polite, considerate, compassionate. I've come to appreciate the fact that we are now living in a trigger aware society, especially when it comes to things in the arts. At the very least, I can label work. There's there's a sound of gunfire. There's uh, an issue being discussed, a, a parent's passing away, a family tragedy, that sort of thing. People can have, they won't be caught unawares and make what should be a pleasant experience unpleasant for them. Yeah, in some ways. Other people know that there might be something there that yeah. could possibly offend them. Correct, because there are there is some language. Um, there is some language that we definitely have to look at. You know that that particular song that I talk about that is called Tightrope. It's Janelle Monae song, mm -hmm. um, and it it's an interesting lens to listen to that song because we listen to it as a pop tune on the radio, you right. know, a dance song. And now we're listening to it with a different lens of, oh, I'm walking on this tightrope. Some people talk about you like they know all about you. When you get down, they don't you. And when you dip in on the seat, they just talk about it. Cause they can't dip on the seat, they just talk about it. Talk about it. When you get elevated, they love it or they hate it. You dance upon them haters. We getting funky on the scene while they jumping round you. They trying to take all your dreams, but you can't allow. Cause baby, whether you're high or low, whether you're high or low, you've got to tip on the tightrope. Hey, tip on the tightrope. Baby, baby, whether you're high or low. Because we are, we're always walking on the tightrope of how do we speak to people? How do we present ourselves? How do we say this and stay true to ourselves, mm -hmm. but also be respectful of the other person? It is a tightrope, yeah. and it's and it's one. It is a tightrope. It's a tightrope. Yeah, I mean, we should get used to walking rope. it because it's the way it opens but, up communications. Oh yeah, and it keeps life interesting. I have a friend <laughs> who said, you know, I love. She said, I love the challenges of life. And I had never heard anyone say that. They love the challenges of life. And that changed my whole perspective mm -hmm. about how I got up every single day and how I looked at the challenges of what's going on in the world. Because it's an act, it's active. You know, mm -hmm. you, if, if you're active, you know, I, that's the positivity of it all, of, my, of this show. If you're active, you're trying to find that little bit of something that you can make better, mm -hmm. you know, yes. um, in, in communicating with people. 
in caring for people in compassion and what's going on in the world in the world and the wars and so that show that's what my show is about you know how how do we get up and face all these challenges with um joy and respect and positivity and like really accept these challenges because they're not going away no. they're not going to go away and i don't think so you'll ever run to... out of material to react to no no what else do you cover in the show like personal I cover, like I, I, yeah i cover an empty i'm an empty nester i talk about that that's the only um it's a medley of a broadway song the only uh, song that i actually sing and i actually use some broadway medleys um so my my youngest ruby went to college last year and i was wrecked I, I was wrecked i have to say i have loved every second of being their mother and having them home and all the things getting up in the morning and preparing every morning i made them tea um i put out their vitamins every morning i made them breakfast i took them to the bus stop every day until their senior year because their school would allow you to drive so i was really invested in my my mothering I have struggled. <laughs> I I'm have struggled. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, you've got you've got a show now to fill your time, correct? Yeah. So the show has helped that. Yeah, it's helped me fill fill that like emptiness. And I also have a group of girlfriends who help help me fill it. You know, like oh, I forgot that I have friends. I have forgot that I had a life outside of being my my husband's yeah. wife and my kids mother and my you know my girlfriends have been waiting for me to get back out in these streets <laughs> and that's what we have done without without alienating the love of your kids how does it feel to be out on your own <laughs> it's good it is good i've gone to mexico with girlfriends hawaii with girlfriends numerous girl girls nights that we can't really talk about because i could be arrested spa trips you know it's mm -hmm. been date dates you know i have date nights with my husband we have really good time we've gotten back to going out and having dinner out and being a little more frivolous you know because That's we nice. don't have to buy so many groceries it's good, yeah. it's good. <laughs> Spend all, the, spend all the grocery money on avocado toast and brunch. <laughs> Correct. I, I have a friend who's in the same situation as your empty nester right now, and she's been dealing with it for a little bit over a year. Then she would say to me, I have no idea what to do with my time. I have just so much time. And as time moves on, she's gotten busier and busier. And now she's like, oh, my God, the kids are coming home. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any time to see them, but I love them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they come home and they look in the refrigerator like during the holidays. They're like, "Where's the food?" I was like, "Oh, oh yeah. I don't have time to go to the store, but you can because you can drive." That's the first thing they do. They yeah. walk in, they drop off the laundry, and they go hit the fridge. Hi, mom. Yeah. I'm home again. Oh my goodness! How long have you been doing the show? You said you started it when the pandemic hit, and you were mm -hmm. doing this and working on it. How long did it take you to conceive this show to the first stage you hit? About six months. Okay. I don't rush any show I've done. I've, I, uh, I write really, I, the stories are very well written. My shows are like plays. I work very intensely with my musical mm -hmm. director to be sure that we're actually communicating what we think we're communicating. We retune all of the songs that we call retuning them so that they do actually fit into the story. 
take me a little time. Not being a musical theater artist, I do not sing. I think it's against the law for me to raise my voice and sing in public. <laughs> uh, constructing a musical show or a, a musical <sighs> piece like this, six months to me is a time where I'm thinking, doesn't that seem short or is that long? I have no idea what it takes to put something it, like that together, to gather songs, to rehearse, to nail everything down to precision timing. For one person, it, I believe that it's enough time. Okay. It's the show that I started with is not the show that I have now. The first time I did it at mm -hmm. the El Portal Theater here in, um, it's in uh, North Hollywood. It's very different from how it started. I got my master's at NYU. I grew oh. up doing doing theater and I grew up in kind of this with this kind of workshop mindset that comes from my high school, college, NYU, and also being near, uh, you know, the public theater and right. learning about their how how things are workshopped. So the six months was it's just like development and writing and rewriting and it's on its feet and it's active and it's just me. Yeah. You know, so I have all the time in the world because my kids are gone to really do good work and focus on me. They were, yeah, I'm sure Hamilton was a really big process. Mm. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know. My, That's probably my, my more husband, than six months, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, my husband did Jelly's The Last Jam, right? That mm -hmm. was the whole thing. But for me, six months was enough time. And also, I believe in having a date. So you book a date, and then you work hard to get to that yeah. date. Uh, otherwise, you, as an artist, you're just like, oh, I'll get there, I'll get there. Your fear will start taking over, and you'll never accomplish anything. You've got to have um, a deadline. you got to have a deadline. Yeah. 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 They're, they're important. Yeah. They're terrifying, but they're important. So how did you know way back when that theater was what you wanted to do? Perform? I saw a place. Yeah, I went um, <laughs> when I was in middle school i was watching fame like everybody else yeah and i would dream about what they were doing on that television screen and then lo and behold milwaukee where i'm from mm -hmm. they started a um high school of the arts and i was like oh my god i want to go there and uh, i got in i auditioned and i got in and i saw that it was a way out to be honest, I never wanted to stay in Milwaukee. I saw that it was a way out. I, I learned that I was good at it. It made me happy. It made me really happy. And I had the support of my mother and my family, which makes a really big difference when you want it to be does. an artist. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. when you're going into a profession like the arts, where you're probably going to be starving, living in a cardboard box, or you know whatever your parents think is going to happen to you because you don't have a, air quotes here, real job. Right. No, my family didn't think that. My family thought I was going to be famous. Mm. That was the kind of family you want. So I went to the high school of the arts. I got a full scholarship to college, BFA in theater, full yeah. scholarship to NYU, MFA in acting. And, you know, so, so far I'm on track. It got really hard after I graduated. That's when, like, the broke, yeah. the day jobs, the the struggle of being in New York, all of that got, got uh, yes. that was so hard. Tens of um, thousands of aspiring artists who are 
know they yeah. have the talent and just got to find the people who can recognize yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So that was hard and I had a really tough time, but all the while I knew this is the only thing I want to do. The only thing I want to do. And however I can tell a story is how I'm going to tell a story. Yeah. And th that's how all of my work has happened. That's where the podcast came from. Mm. I was like, well, how do, how can I tell my stories? Cause you know, I'm now living in LA and I'm devoted to being my, you know, a really great mom an involved mom. I'm not booking a lot of big work. I'm, you know, commercials here, a few commercials here, yeah. uh, a few voiceovers here, you know, small parts on independent film, but nothing that is keeping me like, mentally busy thinking right. nothing that is engaging me daily and i've never been a person to sit around waiting right. for people and opportunity and i don't think that's ever the way to go as an artist anyway so i i um, i started taking a storytelling an audio story uh telling class with um a man named bob carlson that class really empowered me and then i took a podcasting workshop and then i was like oh i think i can do this and that's where it came from and the name of that podcast is actually the name of my very first show. Okay. It's kind of, that's my, that's my brand, the way I am now, the way it is now, you know. Yeah. I've heard your podcast. I like it. The quality is excellent. It's engaging. You're interesting to talk to. The conversations are excellent. Uh, I'd say you kind of nailed it. Yeah. I have incredible friends and family who are very generous. I just called them up and said, I got this podcast. Will you, will you come and tell a story? And they're like, what do I have to tell? Us? This is the concept. You, something happened and then something happened to change it. And then you have to tell me a song that really uh, helps to tell, you know, how you live through that change. And they got into it. And the actors were really happy because they were not being asked to talk about projects. You know, they're like, oh my God, it's so nice that I get to talk about things other than, you know, my friend Victor, King of Queens. You know, mm -hmm. like how many more interviews can he have about King of Queens? People are really happy to be able to talk about themselves. And then the non-actors are happy to have the opportunity to tell their stories. Sure. Nobody's asking like a regular Joe Schmo, like, how did you deal with that? How, how did you get through that? These, these are questions uh, that people aren't asked very often in daily life, questions about themselves. Tell me your mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. you know, and all of a sudden they sit there and they think, how am I going to tell my story when I, I've never even thought about structuring all the things that have happened to me. How mm -hmm. am I going to sound? Mm -hmm. What do I start with? And, and mm -hmm. where does this go? But mm -hmm. I found, I mean, from doing this, this podcast for 12 years that people naturally open up a lot more than you fear they're going to because mm -hmm. they're talking about themselves and it's such a joy to be able to bring yourself across and interact with somebody who's actually interested yeah i i love every second of it sure every second yeah i don't like the the technical parts <laughs> i wish i didn't have to do some of that part but uh i would sit and like because um, I did a lot of my own editing. I did have a, a, a person helping me, but I had to do the mm -hmm. initial edit. And I would sit there going, why am I doing that? And, <laughs> then, the final, and then the final product, I'd be like, oh my God, this is so good. 
it's the yeah. part that nobody tells you about going through and yeah. doing the micro editing and mm -hmm. you know for a 45 minute interview you can be there for four hours Correct. making things Correct. sound good even though mm -hmm. there were no glitches at all during the interview and nobody said a blue word and you don't have to edit this but still kudos to mm -hmm. you that's I, I see i love the tech part I, I can, oh, you do? Oh, yeah. I can sit here and edit all day. I love this stuff. Wow. Yeah. I'll send you mine. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your audiences. What's it like? I mean, bringing this show to the stage and being upbeat, yet discussing real life, real time issues that are universal. Most of the stuff you talk about many people in the audience are going to be able to relate to what's it like afterwards what what do they say to you oh they say they say a lot of things they say that was so relatable i felt like you were talking right to me most people say i felt like you were talking to me like you were mm -hmm. speaking directly to me like these stories were written for me and i say that that is what i do best that is why I like smallish venues. Yep. So that people I can actually engage and look at people in the eye when I can find them. Yep. And they're they're there with you. They're laughing, they're crying, they're clapping, they're singing along. I encourage people to sing. I, I like it when people sing with me. Oh yeah. Um sometimes there's a lot of conversation. Afterwards, I feel like I'm Beyonce, I swear. I feel like <laughs> I'm so I'm so I'm so appreciated and loved and people are thankful to be in the space yeah. because most of the time, nobody knows what to expect. Like there's nothing, I, we write a lot. We put what the show is about on websites and social media and uh, podcasts, all the places, articles, you know, I've done so many interviews, but there's nothing like being in the room because how I am with each audience may be a little different because they bring things to me yes. and they say things. Sometimes they are like Chicago. Those people were talking to me. I, I was, it was like a full on dialogue. And then I, you know, I did my first show in Milwaukee. Milwaukee was really quiet. And I thought these are like my people, but mm -hmm. they were very quiet and reserved. And so, you know, I have to kind of gauge what that is and, but they all, they all love it equally. It's hard gauging audiences because you want them all to be mm -hmm. happy and you want positive feedback so you can keep going mm -hmm. and feel you know, justified mm -hmm. and seen. But there are those audiences that just sit there and look at you and watch and you're up there on yeah. stage and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's going wrong? What's going wrong? What's going wrong? And then yeah. at the end, they erupt into thunderous applause and you sit there and think, oh, okay, that's just this audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's strange. Sure. It's very strange. Uh, yeah. Is there one part of the show that gets more comment than any others? Yes. Um, I am a breast cancer survivor. Okay. And and I talk about that openly. It, it's all positive and joy, mm -hmm. you know, because I made I made it. It gives those survivors the courage to talk about it. People come to me, so many survivors come to me. Oh, I'm surviving. I survived prostate cancer. I survived, mm -hmm. I survived lung cancer. I'm also a breast cancer survivor. I've survived, you know, there's so many cancers. I, some of them I never even heard of. 
and they all come to me and they thank me because they got to kind of release it. We don't have um, to hide the subject anymore. It's not something I can yeah. say it's going to bring down the party, the evening, the week, make everybody depressed. But no. there are other people like me. Yeah. And it's relatable. Yeah. And it it was a hard choice to make because I'm public and private at the same time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I have an incredible mentor who also had breast cancer who said, your, yeah. your purpose, you now have more purpose and you have to help people. You have to help survivors because you have been fortunate. You have, and I have, I have exceptional doctors and exceptional care yeah. and everybody doesn't have it. So my purpose now, as much as I can, and, and I mean emotionally, because sometimes it is difficult, is to help others, sure. to, to, re to release fear, to tell them about, you know, something I learned about diet, doctors, uh, faith, the healing you know i have gone down this road and it is it's a hard something road. That, I, that i yeah and mm -hmm. i should share it yeah yeah i should share it's, it that does a lot of good just bringing it out into the open and saying mm -hmm. hey listen mm -hmm. we're together on this one i know what you're going through this is what happened to me and mm -hmm. you know whether or not you can give them tips or whether you can just give them companionship uh is a wonderful thing mm -hmm. or even mm -hmm. a hug yeah, even a hug. a hug. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, Some people just want a hug. Another you know, thing the pandemic been, changed. Oh. Yeah, but that's been tricky too because, you know, in the beginning, um, folks were like, well, you can't hug. You can't hug these people. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta hug these people. You uh, know, I gotta hug. I know, I I'm hug. right with you. It's just, it's yeah. In, yeah. in theater, yeah. everybody hugs, you know, great show. We yeah. hug. Yeah. Can I yeah. borrow a dollar? Yeah. We hug, you know. And, and, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And since that, it's like, don't touch me. I'm wearing gloves to stay, you know, six feet away. And oh, mm -hmm. oh I hated mm -hmm. it. Absolutely hated it. Uh, yeah. 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 Part of what you said, I read, uh, you said you were trying to do with this show is to open it up to audiences that do not have a history of going to theater. And, you know, it's, as, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking, you can look out at an audience and it can be pretty homogenous. Many of the, most of the audiences I've seen, at least from the stage or at least from the back of the house, that's true. Regardless of what's on stage, even if, even if the show is by an African-American playwright, a lot, you know, it's, I'm firmly in the belief that theater should be for everyone across the spectrum and everyone should have accessibility to it and everyone should have a place where stories that they can relate to should be told you mentioned that your show was trying in some way to reach out to audiences that don't have a history of going to theater well it's how i live my life i live a very diverse life mm -hmm. and because of that i've had a very diverse audiences very diverse audiences okay i when i look at my audience i see what the theater should look like and i encourage i mean mostly i have to encourage my people to bring people you know a theater is supposed to be of the people yes and i the the prices of tickets oh, yeah. you know the, the, it's mm -hmm. it's out of reach you know the theater shouldn't be a, a vacation special tri right. trip the theater shouldn't only be for your birthday i believe that the theater should be part of your lifestyle 
you see things like I saw from fame, right? Mm -hmm. You see for, for young people, oh, I might be, that might be something I can do. Or there's a story that I can relate to, but they can never get into the theater Yes. Yeah. to hear these stories. Who can afford 75 to... bucks a ticket? No one. No one. It's particularly after the pandemic. Oh yeah. You know, you know, here we've um we've lost the mark paper. It's they say it's, you know, yeah. not forever. And we hope that is not forever. And I hope that in this time that they're examining, you know, how the how their outreach. Yeah. Examining ticket prices. You know, you have donors, so yeah. how is the donor money being used how can we change it you know obama was excellent in involving everyone in his campaign you know mm -hmm. he he five dollars if he, everybody do, donates five dollars i can become president and everybody did it there's there has to be a model and i you know i i don't know what that model is but there has to be a model to help open the doors to everybody I think for the larger theaters, such as the Mark Taper and the Goodman and all the rest of that, maintaining the infrastructure is, of course, the number one goal. But those, in many cases, you know, it's, it runs into the millions and millions of dollars between uh, salaries and keeping the dimmers on and keeping the place maintained. It's, it's cost after cost after cost. Community theater, smaller theater, okay, is a yeah. lot more affordable. And I remember doing shows where we put pay what you can. All right. Yeah. Suggested donation, $10, but pay what you can. And some people put in $2 and that was all they could afford. And we welcomed them in and we gave them a seat and we gave them the best show we could. And some people were leaving 20s in there because they could For pay sure. what they could. We never did not break even. We didn't make any, we had a whole lot of money, but it's, we, we didn't take a bath on this. A model like that that caters to the ability of the people walking in the door to pay for it is something that could be modified, I think, for any level of theater. I believe that, too. I also believe you, that and it's, it's not only the theater, it's also social media and the population at large, but the actors are also part of the people. So if you are doing... A play. There are a lot of actors, a lot of really good actors who are looking for opportunity, who are not, you know, Denzel, Keith David, Angela mm -hmm. Bassett, you know, who you could probably afford to put on your stage yeah. and they would do a really good job. Celebrities are expensive. Yes. And if if we can work on believing in our projects in a different way that perhaps the stories are worthy of being told, just worthy of being told. Yeah. And support and, you know, and, and tell it that way. I think the audiences, it might be a slow start, but I think mm -hmm. the audiences will come. They'll go, oh my gosh, you know, they keep bringing in these actors. We've never ever heard of these people. Right. But every time we go, the yeah. show is incredible. The I actors are incredible. Yes. Yes, yeah. I mean, not to short trip Denzel or Angela Bassett or uh, anybody or even Keith David, okay? Oh, yeah, I know. I love all right. those folks. I, oh, I, yeah, you know, and I, I love yeah. seeing them, but there are other actors out there who haven't been discovered yet. You know, Denzel was, right. it was a point where he wasn't discovered. Mm -hmm. 
all right? But he was still out there. And there are all these actors who can do the job and should do the job. I think part of the question is putting stuff on the stages that relates to audiences. Why do I want to go see this? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a little sick of the, of the chestnuts myself, but I'd rather see something new, fresh, challenging that speaks to, I'm going to say, atypical audiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the only way the theater grows is to go to the places that we don't normally go. Yeah. The places we're uncomfortable or unsure or ask questions. Sure, yeah. That's what it's supposed to be about. Dion Lee, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk with me today. And we finally got around to doing this. Yay. I'm so happy. Thank you, George. Tell people how they can find you, find out more about the show and find find out more about you (laughs) as a practicing artist. uh, You can find out everything you need to find out about me at my website, Dion Lee dot com beyond d-i-o-n-n-e lee l-e-a dot com you can also find out information on my social media um instagram beyond yeah. underscore lee and my my next shows will be in chicago and joe's pub in new york excellent yes I'm excited. i know they're all going to be wonderful i wouldn't i'm, yeah. I'm going to wish you luck anyway because that's the polite thing to do but i know you're going to kill it thank okay. you george Hey kids, thanks for listening to Onstage Offstage. Onstage Offstage is produced monthly and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project or interest or know of someone in the theater world who'd make good chat, by all means, send us a note at onstageoffstagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is Don't Worry, Be Frappy by the composer Max Dickinson. You can find a lot more of Max's magnificent music on SoundCloud. I'm George Sapio. Thanks once again for listening, and please... Be kind to those with whom we share this rock. And as always, happy theatering to all of you.